You're listening to the podcast version of the Recruit of Talionis audiobook. I'm your narrator, writer, and host, award-winning author C.J. Malasi. Each week, we'll bring you further into the mysterious and dangerous dystopian world of Talionis and Bria's fight for survival. And we're kicking off this podcast a few days before the audiobook officially releases so that you can get a taste of the story. This podcast will drop a new episode every day for the first week until the full audiobook releases on October 6, 2023. After that, you can tune in each Friday to hear the next chapter in this story. Now, let's dive in. Chapter 6 The trek down the passageway to the tailor is filled with zaps as recruits who are slow, stop, or question what's happening are shocked by the sticks in the hands of the soldiers. Every command they give, every word they speak, comes out as a shout. My heart races as I try to stay in the middle of the horde of teens, some with eyes wide, others with tears openly streaming down their face, and a few with scowls. A guy bumps into me in his effort to move further away from a soldier with her shock stick, hitting a bruise. I suck in a quick breath as pain ripples through me. Somehow, I doubt I'll get to rest and recover before I'm forced to do whatever conditioning they have planned for us. Halt! The soldier at the front shouts loud enough to cause an echo in the hallway, but I can't see him through the crowd of recruits in front of me. The tailors are through the door on my left. Fifteen recruits will go through at a time, retrieve their uniforms, remove their personal clothing in the changing area, and leave all personal items with the tailors. Males will then receive their haircuts, and females will go to their barracks. You will be given a halo act band, which you will wear at all times. These bands, along with sensors throughout the city, will allow us to electronically monitor you and your progress. Understood? Yes, sir! We all shout the words, though they feel like sandpaper scraping my mouth on the way out. Although I'm not sure what the soldier meant by electronically monitoring us, I do know it will make it harder, if not impossible, for me to disobey without facing major consequences. I don't want to give in or conform to whatever this is, but right now I need to do what they say and give my body time to heal. I'm not strong enough to handle being shocked or a beating. I really want to see one of those sticks. Ari chews on her lower lip as she stares at one of the nearby soldiers. What? I say. Who is this girl? I don't think asking a whole one of their weapons is going to go over real well, Nika says. Ari sighs. Maybe not. The line moves forward several feet and then stops again. Does it hurt? Nika nods at my head. I gingerly probe the lump and grimace. It starts on the right side of my forehead and extends past my hairline. It aches and stings, and the rough edges of scraped skin cut across the bump. I drop my hand. It's fine. Nika quirks an eyebrow. Sure it is. Bria! Shay's voice behind me causes me to turn around and gives me a reason to ignore Nika's sarcasm. She's slowly weaving her way through the handful of recruits separating us, shooting wary glances at the soldiers stationed around us. When she reaches me, she sighs. Are you okay? She asks. You don't look so good. Told you, Nika mutters with a self-satisfied smirk. 
Shay glances at her briefly, then focuses on me, chin tilted up. I brace myself. Here comes a lecture. Whatever is happening right now, I don't think it's a good idea for you to make an enemy. You shouldn't have provoked drill instructor Sergeant Meritus in the woods. I set my jaw and forced myself to inhale and exhale before replying. These people have taken us from our homes and she thinks it's a good time to lecture me on what I should and shouldn't do? Typical. Look, I don't think it's a good idea to stand out right now, Nika says, but give the girl a break. At least she tried to get away. Shay takes a step back and crosses her arms over her chest. Excuse me, this is a private conversation. Nika sniffs. We are having our own private conversation before you butt it in. Shay's eyes widen and her mouth drops open. Then she pulls herself together. Bria causes problems wherever she goes. I was only trying to help. Thanks for that, Shay. I snap. Shay taps her foot. They brought you while you were unconscious into the transport before everyone else. Clearly, they wanted to make an example of you. Do you think that's a good thing? She pauses, her nose tilting up. It's not. They separated me from my brother when they brought us onto the transport, Ari says. I haven't seen him since. Her voice breaks and she turns away. Some of my anger towards Shay dissolves as I recognize the pain in Ari's words. I'm not the only one struggling. Before the conversation can go further, the mass of recruits moves and we're next in line to enter the tailors. The soldiers position 15 of us three by three and, thankfully, I'm next to Nika and Ari. Shay is in the set behind us, giving me a momentary reprieve from her condescension. I want to thank Nika for sticking up for me, but I also don't want to risk being noticed by the soldiers right in front of us. Next! The soldier closes shouts and opens the door. They herd the 15 of us into the room. A long counter runs through the middle, and two women stand behind it, both dressed in black skirts and white blouses buttoned up to the neck. Uniforms hang in rows behind them. My name is Sompta, and this is Presidia, the one woman says. Sompta's eyebrows arch unnaturally high, and her hair is tied back into a tight bun. Her lips are pursed, like she recently sucked on a lemon, and wire-rimmed glasses perch on the tip of her nose. Presidia's hair and eyebrows look almost identical to Sompta's, but she's a few inches shorter and doesn't have glasses. We will issue you your uniforms, Sompta spits the word out, as though it tastes bad, and I suppose we will be made available to you in the event that you need alterations or mending. Come now, let's go. Presidia waves a hand at us impatiently. We don't have all day. Why we are forced to do this is utterly beyond me. Sompta fingers a uniform with a sniff of disdain. Nika, Ari, and I step up to the counter and stare at the women. They blink in unison. Then Presidia turns to Sompta. Truly, why must we stoop to this level and deal with such incompetence? Sompta tilts her head in agreement, and then they face us again. Names, please. You can't call us incompetent if you don't tell us what you need from us, I say, both annoyed and somewhat amused by the eccentric woman. Nika elbows me in the side, hitting a bruise. I let out a shallow huff and glare at her. I'm Nika Bromiliad, she says before Sompta and Presidia respond to me, which is probably for the best. 
Presidia and Sompta scowl at me. Then Sompta picks up a small, thin, clear board. She pokes at it with her finger for a moment. It looks like she's tapping on glass. Ari leans forward on the counter. What is that? Sompta and Presidia both take a step back. If you must know, it's an avid screen, Presidia says. What does it do? Ari asks. I bite my lip to contain a grin. This girl is something else. Either she's completely oblivious or she really doesn't care if she's irritating people with her questions and comments. Do we look like your technology instructors? Really? Sompta flicks her hand at Ari. Off the counter, now! Ari obeys and Sompta steps away and retrieves two uniforms from one of the racks. She holds them with two fingers from each hand like merely touching the fabric is more than she wants to do. With a shudder, she passes them to Nika along with a pair of boots. Your name? Presidia says to me. Bria Averton. And you? Sompta asks. Ari Willowpen, can you show me what you're doing? Sompta uses one finger to push her glasses further up her nose. No. Moments later, they give Ari and me our own uniforms and pairs of heavy black boots, and then Sompta and Presidia smear disinfectant gel on their hands. Next, Presidia says. As the three of us walk away, Sompta mutters, once we're done with this arduous task, let's design something for the commander. I need to put my hands to better use than this. Presidia agrees promptly, and I shake my head, unsure of what to make of the women. A female soldier ushers us to the changing area. Change into your uniforms quickly and remove every personal item. If we find you with any personal items from this moment forward, you will be brought to the sand pit and forced to do extra PT. Now change. She doesn't give us time or opportunity to ask what her words mean. The three of us enter a room filled with other girls who are already in their uniforms or in the process of changing. I make my way to a corner to give myself some sense of privacy and swallow the lump that's forming in my throat. Now is not the time to get emotional. I set the boots and spare uniform on the floor, and I focus on the uniform in my hands. It's a green camo shirt and pants and a dark green t-shirt, and they stamped my name on the front and again on the left sleeve. Under my name reads, Unit 6. I don't know what the words mean, and I'm afraid to find out. As I strip off my clothes from home, my throat thickens. The crushing pain in my heart overshadows the pain I feel with the movements. I'm stripping away the final fragments of my identity. I carefully fold up the shirt I made with my mom as memories of her sketching out the pattern and design rush over me. Later that same day, she let me sit with her as she worked on a map. It was the beginning of hours spent together as she gently taught me. Only yesterday, I believed we still had hours more of those lessons, of traveling together, working together. Swallowing the memories, I carefully set the shirt on the ground with the rest of my clothing and put on the uniform. The starched fabric is stiff and unfamiliar against my skin. I reach for my necklace, the silky sea glass coming to rest naturally in my fingers, familiar and comforting, but also a painful reminder of Esri. The last thing he gave me before he died. I squeeze the pendant before tucking it beneath my uniform. No matter what the consequences may be, 
I won't remove it. I finish buttoning up the uniform, put on my boots, and gather my clothes before heading toward the changing room exit. At the door, two soldiers take everyone's personal items and throw them into bins. The girl in front of me resists for a moment and is shocked. She releases a cry and then relinquishes her clothing. I hug my clothes to my chest, inhale the scent of home, and then force myself to give them to the female soldier when she reaches out her hand. It's like a piece of me is torn away as she carelessly tosses them into a bin. I want to retrieve them, fight against what's happening, but I can't. Not now. Not yet. The soldier hands me a bright yellow sash. You will wear this until you have completed your first week of training. Put it on now. I obey. Next, she retrieves a bracelet from a box at her feet, along with what looks like the same type of screen thing Sompta and Presidia used. She eyes my name on my uniform, taps on the screen, and then lays the bracelet on top of it. Activated. An unnatural voice chirps. The woman hands me the bracelet. Wear this hollow act band at all times. It contains your training, assessment information, your schedule, and a map of Talionis. It will also monitor you and track your progress throughout physical conditioning. Your tech instructor will give you a more in-depth explanation of how it works. I fit the Halo Act band on my wrist as she speaks, feeling more bound than when my hands were tied together. For now, all you need to know is that you press this button, she gestures to a button on the band, to view your schedule, and this one to view the map of Talionis. She points to the button next to the first one. She pushes me forward. Next! I exit the changing area and I'm greeted by another soldier who instructs me to join the group of other female recruits waiting to be led to our barracks. Every step I take feels weighted with uncertainty and trepidation. I squeeze my eyes shut and images of my family dance in my mind. Are they even okay? At least there aren't any other kids around Eli and Zeke's age. I would hate to see what this place would do to my exuberant, full-of-life little brothers. As much as I want to hug them right now, what I want more is for them to be safe. I push the thoughts of them aside. If I let myself linger there, I'll end up breaking down. And I can't afford that right now. I fidget with the band to get it to rest comfortably on my wrist. The other girls around me are unfamiliar. A few talk in hushed tones, and almost all of them focus on the Halo Act bands on their wrists. The thing that most intrigued me about the band is its map feature. Since we're waiting for the rest of the girls to finish changing, I push the upper right button to see what it looks like. A three-dimensional map shoots out of the band. The buildings in Talionis, buildings I haven't yet seen more than a glimpse of, spring out of my wrist in detailed, miniature form. A small gasp escapes. It's incredible, but is it accurate? I tilt my head and study it, searching for inconsistencies. A blinking dot catches my eye. These are amazing, right? Ari pops up next to me. I jump back a bit, dropping my hand to my side. The map disappears back into the band. Uh, I guess so. Ari pushes buttons so rapidly I almost can't keep up. She opens her map and I see the same blinking red dot on hers. What do you think that is? I ask. Before she can answer, a soldier steps into our conversation. That's you. He stares into my eyes, letting his words sink in. Then he walks away. 
Panic spirals from the top of my head down to the bottoms of my feet and then back up again. That was what they meant when they said we'd be electronically monitored. As long as I'm wearing this band, they will always know where I am. Ari doesn't seem as disturbed by the news as I feel. She remains focused on her band, bringing up different features that I'm not sure she's even supposed to know about yet. For the moment, she's quiet as she focuses. The rest of the girls exit the changing area, and then we are marched to our barracks. As we move, my thoughts come down from their panicked state. The band is disturbing, but it might be useful. They want to frighten me with the fact that they know where I am, but I'll find a way to make this band a tool I can use to escape. The details on the map were remarkable. I'll study it once I've seen more of the city, and I'll do whatever it takes to get out of here and back to my family. I hope you're looking forward to continuing this story. There will be a new episode every day for the first week until the audiobook releases on October 6, 2023. Then you can tune in each Friday to hear the next chapter. Or if you just can't wait, you can purchase the full audiobook wherever audiobooks are sold once it's released. Recruit of Talionis was written and narrated by C.J. Malisi.